Good morning and welcome to episode 82 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. My guest today is Nick Vargas, a freelance visual designer out of Santa Cruz, California. Nick is from a family of artists and his gateway to design and art and illustration was through tattooing. He's been a tattoo artist for over 22 years. We talk surf culture, skate culture, the inspiration that that was on his life. We talk about the magic of tattoos. We talk about balance in life. What is balance? I don't know, because I don't have it. So, But we talk about balance anyways. Nick also tells us about a project that he was a part of that just keeps on giving, and it has for the last number of years for him. I'll let him explain what he means by that, but let's get going. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Vargas. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a quickie? Good morning, Nick. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thank you. Awesome. Glad to have you on the show this morning. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So, this is the Quickie Podcast. I don't mess around. So, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um... Well, you know, i 42 years old. I grew up in Santa Cruz. I, um, I kind of went down um, a different path, I guess, for my design illustration career. I, mm-hmm. I've actually – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, I kind of started tattooing, actually, um, just out of high school when I was kind of just filling out going to art school and stuff. And then uh, – I kind of went down that path for about 22 years and then I had had a couple kids and I decided to like it was my time to maybe slightly start branching out a little bit and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I started doing for for the last maybe 5 years slowly um and that's pretty much most of it. I mean there's other stuff that's kind of come up beyond that with my illustration and graphic design career but uh it's mostly just tattoo-based and illustration-based stuff. Mm-hmm. So you grew up surfing and tattooing? I did, yeah. So, I mean, that's like typical, you know, living by the beach, Santa Cruz kind of thing, growing up around. Mostly for me, you know, I had a cousin who was a really good surfer, and I just couldn't stand the cold water. So <laughs> I mostly just got into skateboarding more. But I did definitely surf. But uh, I would say skateboarding and skateboard graphics is kind of what led me into my path. Oh, right on. I want to get into that one in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that childhood here. I want to know a little bit more about your childhood and what that was like. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of led you in that career path? Yeah, yeah. I think I, you know, I was, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think about that, you know, and I remember my dad being an artist. My dad's in, well, he's an engineer by trade, but he's, mm-hmm. He was always a um, a draftsman, artist, architect, and uh, and I had an older sister who was really talented at anything crafty that she would get her hands on, artistically or whatever. And uh, 
So I felt like I always had kind of competition with an older sister to <laughs> kind of compete all the time, you know. And I, I come from a kind of a long line of artists. My my aunt's an artist. My dad's an artist. My grandparents were artists. Um, but I feel like there were, you know, more like uh, engineers or there were, you know, or there were fine art painters, like oil painters. And I kind of just needed to find like my niche, I think. So if, I feel like for a long time I... I kind of gravitated more towards the physical stuff, like more like skateboarding or um, sports or something like that until mm-hmm. high school. And then I started realizing, you know, I just was sick of doing all that. And I always was the kid in the back of class drawing. So I figured I started taking it a little bit more serious mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and then, then I kind of figured out I could start making money doing it too. And that's kind of what led me on my path. But uh, yeah, I definitely come from a long line of artists and stuff. I just, Feel like I was a little late bloomer at it. <laughs> a late bloomer, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, from the video here, I, the listeners won't see this, but you have uh, you have quite a few tattoos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for twenty two years, and I definitely feel like artistically, or even illustration or graphically, that's kind of what gave me my training. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of did the art school thing for a a minute, and you know, junior college, I took art classes, but I. You know, being ADD and being kind of uh, hard to stay focused. You know, I, I realized some classes I did well, some I failed, and it wasn't it it wasn't really that I wasn't like all right at art. It was just I couldn't stay focused. So I feel mm-hmm. like my my art path in getting tattoos was kind of like, pers- you know, um, kind of learning the hard way, pursuing it and getting into the field. And then obviously, when you get into the tattoo business, you you start getting tattooed. It's the only way you have to do it. Yeah. So you basically used your art and your illustration skills to branch out into sort of the tattoo realm for you know a good portion of your career. Yeah, yeah. You know, I started drawing for for friends for their tattoos, and um, you know, and then it, yeah, it was just. I mean, it was just a small little path where the guy who was you know tattooing my friends um, wanted to meet me, and then I ended up getting tattooed by him, and then it just kind of transformed into him needing somebody around the shop at the time and him and i got along really well mm-hmm. and uh you know he was saying he had people coming in all the time for apprenticeships but you know i was getting tattooed by him and that's how i felt like i got my in and then uh it i didn't think it would take me on such a long path but mm-hmm. it's kind of led me 22 years later um you know and i'm still doing it it's still my bread and butter i, I but i do illustration and graphic design on the side um and it's kind of cool because it makes it feel like I don't really – lately I feel like I've been tattooing so long that I can actually take a little bit of time away from it and almost make it feel like a part-time job doing that and then a part-time job doing graphic design and illustration. So I feel mm-hmm. like I don't really have a full-time job, which is cool because it makes it more flexible for myself. Definitely. So I got to ask then, what were your parents' response when you got into <laughs> tattoos and you started getting lots of tattoos? Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, my, my dad, you know, he was – an engineer. I think he was one of the first people who um, was an engineer for Intel when it first started, and then mm-hmm. worked for NASA. So he was definitely the the straight lace, you know, OCD artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tattoos are a little dirty for him, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's really funny. And I, my mom was the old artsy hippie mom, you know, and I thought she was going to be more accepting. And it's funny how she was more mad at me getting tattoos, and my dad was all right with it. Oh, um, really? They kind yeah, of did a little yeah. role reversal. Yeah, you know, but over the years, she ended up getting a couple tattoos from me. So I think, you know, things change over time. That's cool. I was going to ask if you ever tattooed one of them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my sister and my mom. My dad will never do it, but uh, maybe someday. Maybe I can wear them down. Wear them down enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to. I want you to take us back to when you first started noticing art or design or illustration out in the world. Was that just seeing tattoos for the first time or was there something else that you started to see? You know, yeah. You know, my dad collected old like French illustrated artists that um, designed stuff for like the the New Yorker back in the day. So I definitely Mm -hmm. was around that or I was around. um, He collected old like, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Griffin, but like old Rick Griffin posters. And he did a lot of the old beginning like Grateful Dead posters. Yeah. Um, and he, he lived in Santa Cruz, so he was like kind of like a famous Santa Cruz artist. So seeing that in his collection and then, you know, getting into skateboarding and having, you know, you know, graphics on the skateboards, I definitely, uh, you know, Pal Peralta and Santa Cruz skateboards, I was definitely mm-hmm. around that. And, you know, it wasn't just a buying a skateboard deck. I started seeing the graphics and started, you know, if this deck got ruined, I would hang it on my wall so I can always look at the graphics. And uh, I th- feel like that's kind of, what got me interested in doing tattoos or anything because you know the graphics on skateboard decks are very very kind of gnarly tattoo looking a little bit for the most part Mm -hmm. yeah it's really surprising actually well i guess not surprising but a lot of designers their gateway to design was through skate culture and skateboard design and you know putting stickers on the bottom of things you know and always collecting stickers in that skate culture yeah yeah and then you know there's some there's some magic to a board that's been weathered and a little dog-eared a little bit where it's been chewed up and you know i feel like that's maybe why i gravitate towards tattoos because i started seeing because i grew up in the santa cruz mountains not really necessarily in the town of santa cruz so i was you know in the redwood trees so i definitely was around like old bikers and people who had you know weathered tattoos and i remember seeing those and there was so much magic to them Mm -hmm. you know and i I feel like that's how the skateboard decks like when i got them and they're brand new they're beautiful but when they started getting weathered i started really getting into them you know, so I definitely I feel like even in my graphic design, I tend to like lean towards the stuff that has a little bit more of a hand drawn feel and a little bit of wonkiness to it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. A little bit of yeah. wonkiness. Yeah. So, Nick, then what would you say has been the most influential design of your life so far? You know, other than tattooing, you know, I would say. You know, I, I've been pretty fortunate lately to to design some stuff for friends, locals, like coffee shops. I know Kevin talked about a coffee shop that he um, it was a place called Cat and Cloud in town, and mm-hmm. I I managed when I managed to do their mural and kind of help brand them when they first started before Kevin was kind of doing some graphic design for them because um, you know he definitely got more of the knowledge than I do in the graphic design world and definitely helped them branch out of that. But I did their mural and. I feel like through that, that led me in a path of doing a lot more art for a, a lot of local shops that I end up, you know, taking my wife and my kids to. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was definitely, you know, some of them are big name places and some of them are just mom and pops. And I feel like in the last five years, that's been a really cool thing to actually do these graphic designs for people, make some, you know, make some money, but it's more or less, it's, it's a place that I take my family. So I'm supporting it, not only you know, me going there, but also supporting it by help branding them, which is a big honor. Really engaging and being a part of that community then for more than just visiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I mean, I've done some stuff for people that don't live in Santa Cruz and other places, you know, outside of the mostly, you know, coffee related stuff, because I guess maybe that's just my niche right now. But mm. um, or some breweries, I've done some, you know, beer labels and stuff. But uh, 
it's really cool to like um, be able to just walk down the street and take my kids to a place where I painted the mural and, you know, did a cup or something for them or, or did a sticker or whatever, t-shirt design. That's really, it's really rewarding to be able to be there and see that. That's cool. Yeah. Definitely would be an awesome feeling. Yeah. Um, so Nick, do you have designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow? Yeah. You know, I, I tend to, it's a wide range, you know, there's, there's a few, there's a couple tattoo artists that I I've been following this guy, Kyle Martz. He's in Seattle and does a lot of stuff for Starbucks, but also, um, you know, he's a tattoo artist, a person I can kind of relate to, too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then there's a handful of other artists like, um, um, Andy J. Miller, I've been listening to his podcast too, and mm-hmm. I, I've always liked his artwork for a long time. Um, the guys, uh, Eye Creature, or v- Invisible Creature, I've always liked those guys' stuff. Um, they're in Seattle. Um, I think it's Joel B. and Friends in Portland. I tend to connect with a lot of their stuff. Um, you know, there's, you know, the, the, those people kind of have a wide range from super technically clean stuff to, you know, wonky. And I, I tend mm-hmm. to like the stuff that has this a little bit more of a, wonky feel to it you know whatever so yes. not to say the other stuff is it's just what i gravitate towards and how i feel like i you know i, I could technically read it and i like that kind of stuff the, like the funky stuff it's a little bit yeah. quirky right it's got some personality to it it's not clean cut yeah you know I, and I haven't been in the business that long you know i went to school for you know animation and design and character design so i feel like you know i've kind of graphic design is kind of something just slightly new to me i was always interested in it but um it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. Now it seems like there's a lot more of that kind of being shown and people mm-hmm. are not afraid to like show their, their rough sketches and maybe even fine finalizing their rough sketches and not really fine tuning them beyond that. Dep- yeah. I guess it depends on what the client wants, but you know, yeah, definitely. And that's really good to see because of the, you know, for how many years was it like the clean cut Instagram world, right? Yeah. Where everything's yeah. just nice and tidy and that could be tough. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so, you know, I imagine, you know, some some artists that works for it, like the, just being technically clean and OCD about it. And some people, for me, it's like pulling, you know, I could do it, but it's definitely like pulling my nails out. You know, for me, it's just like I got to I have to figure out a way to like, like throw a curveball at myself and kind of maybe show the client maybe, you know, a couple technically really clean ones and then maybe one that has a little bit more that I really gravitate towards. That's a little mm-hmm. bit more on the wonky side and, you know, and 90% of the time, at least with my customers, they tend to go with the one that's a little bit more wonky and a little bit more life to it for me. It's got character. That's what yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to ask you directly about it. Um, you probably don't think that it's unique at all, uh, your process, but I want to ask you what, what makes your process yours? And, you know, with the tattoo artist background, I'm interested to hear, um, you know, if yours is different. Yeah. Um, it really depends on project to project, but for me, I, I usually, you know, I'll usually sit down and, and just really just fill up a sketchbook, a uh, sketchbook full of, full of doodles and, mm-hmm. uh, see if any of, you know, maybe three or four of those will really resonate with a project. And then I usually try to try to fine tune that after that. If, um, I'll show the client usually three or four designs, that I really gravitate towards and maybe one of the designs I know that they know, I know that they're going to like for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I'll show maybe like two or three other ones that I feel like are kind of on that path, but maybe a little bit more uh, challenging to them or maybe something that will broaden their horizon a little bit, maybe give them a little bit of ideas. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then 
that's usually my process. And then I'll, it goes through a series of depending on the project, if they want it hand painted and then vectorized or they want it, um, you know, if they want stickers or they want T-shirts. And it just really depends on, you know, what it is and the size that the image is going to be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's usually my process. I mean, it really depends. Like a mural, you know, that that process is really challenging and frustrating. And each one is unique in itself. And it's everything. Nothing goes as planned anytime I do those things. And those things, that, but that's also the fun part of, you know, so when I do a mural, it's, you know, it's, it's different than when I do an illustration for for a T-shirt design or something mm-hmm. for a you know beer company or something. So when you're doing murals, how do you start that? Do you do you go straight to sketching or do you do an iPad Pro? Use an iPad? Yeah. Or? yeah so I did used to you know just go straight to sketching, but uh, you know in the last couple of years I've been uh, mostly just using an iPad Pro even for tattoos. Um, I guess it really depends on the design, but. Uh, when I do a mural, like the last couple murals I've done, I just um, sketched on my pro really, you know, really loose, rough sketches that just took me, you know, a few minutes each. And I'll show them like three or four designs. And then uh, what's really cool is like, it's you know, it's kind of like Photoshop. I could take a photo of the spot and then put the rough sketch and maybe even a little bit of a color study and just show them and, you know, put that photo of the wall or whatever up behind it and put that photo on top of it. That's cool. And just show them a concept. And that kind of like speeds the process up a little bit easier for them to visualize right yeah i feel like i feel like we're all even all of us i feel like especially if you're dealing with an art director we're all visual and it's you know it's it's easier for me to show it than to tell it kind of thing so i just usually do that and then i'll just have a really brief description mostly just saying reminding them this is digital it's not going to come out 100 (laughs) percent like this you know and there's challenges as i do it i realize i may have to like change the colors up or add something or whatever to, to make it, you know, cohesive and aesthetically pleasing, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, and once that's said and done and, but they can see the visual, then, you know, I don't branch off from the visual. Once we agree on a, on a, a picture, then I don't really branch off of that too much. I try to stick to it as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. How you can take the picture of the wall and then, sort of put the illustration right on top of it. That's one of the greatest um, yeah. features of that iPad tool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've done a couple murals after, you know, I had the iPad already and I didn't, I didn't even try it. I didn't even think of it. And then finally, I just, the last time I was so overwhelmed because it was just a huge mural and I was just really overwhelmed of doing so. And I really wanted to nail it. It was my friend's coffee shop and I just wanted to make sure I just branded them right. And but I was also really crunched between, you know, a couple other graphic design projects and tattooing, you know, and my kid was finished. My kids were finishing school, you know, mm-hmm. June. And it was just like a hard time that I just I was like, oh, I should just use my iPad and just show them a rough sketch real quick and and see if it's on the, even the right path. And if it's not, then I just don't have time for this project, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just did it really quick. It was like five minutes and I showed them like three sketches and one of them, you know, they liked and it just sped the process up so fast that I, you know, I'm, I'm sold on it now. That's all I'm going to ever do when I do murals now. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the next few questions I have for you, Nick, take you down part of your career where you probably made some mistakes and learned some lessons. And okay. I want to pull those stories out. Um, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to name any names of, of nope, customers, nope. but uh, yeah, um, so easy for me to just start talking and just slip and name a name. But, you know, they're all been great and they all ended up being fine because 
I guess I'm lucky when I do, you know, I have another job too to, and have this too. It's I could take on the projects I really want to take on and not mm-hmm. take on the ones I, you know, don't have to. But uh, sometimes they're all challenging. You know, there was one where I did a graphic design for a pretty big company and I had, and it's, it's not out yet, so I can't really name it. But it's mm-hmm. one of those things where, um, you know, I had four different art directors all looking at it, you know, like too wow. many cooks in the kitchen. And uh, that was really frustrating because they reached out to me for my for my stuff. And then uh, then they started nitpicking at it so much where I just couldn't stand behind a design. But I really wanted to, like, please them. But it got to a point where I really had to write that email to them and just be like, hey, you know, I don't. It's had to, I guess I think I had to remind them why they picked me to do stuff. And um, and I, I had to answer, you know, ask them some questions about, you know, you know, it, should we just back out now kind of thing before we get too invested? Because it was taking up a lot of time mm-hmm. and it was just one of those things. And I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I didn't want to, like, not nail it for them or waste their time either. But it's hard when you're dealing with like four different art directors and then they have a, an assistant that's writing you the emails and it starts getting a little personal at times too, you know, and sometimes it's confusing because one art director will send you something and another will send you something and it's all in the same project, but they're not relaying to each other on the mm-hmm. project. And that gets really hard. So I feel like that was, that was the most recent one. That was the most challenging one. Well, that's nice that you like noticed it up front, you know, so that it didn't turn into a horror story. You were able to address it sort of mid project. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had some other ones, you know, when I was younger in my career, when I did stuff for like friends, punk bands or, or whatever. And I remember, uh, you know, you, you know, everybody has different aesthetics, you know, and you do a design and, you, you know, one of the guys is your like best friend. And all the other ones, you're just like, you're friends with them, but you're just acquaintances. And but they they're your best friends going to love it, of course. But all the other ones will have two cents to put into it. And then eventually you know, you just can't stand behind a design. And then for me, it's just like, I, I get bummed because then I'm just doing it for the money, which is, you know, one thing we all have to get paid and stuff, but I mm-hmm. also want to be able to post it on my social media and brag about it, you know, doing the design and not posting on your social media because you're bummed on how it turned out because maybe they butchered it down so much that sucks, you know, and you want to make sure that doesn't get there. You want it to be something that you're able to be proud of as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like at least with a lot of designers and, you know, I feel like even in the, ta- in the tattoo business, sometimes we cater to the customer so much, which is great. You know, it's, they're they're wearing it or they're buying it or mm-hmm. they're using it for their. But, uh, you know, you, you also have to realize, for me, at least the projects I take on, it's it's um, they're also, you know, they're picking me for a certain aesthetics. And, and if I if I lose my aesthetics, then they're not really I'm not really doing my job for them then. You know, and I feel like sometimes I have to remind them of that. I have to remind myself of that too. Mm-hmm. Definitely true. Yeah. What is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Oh, it's the balance of time. You know, I got, I got a, I got a 10 year old boy and a seven year old boy and, uh, you know, just making sure, you know, balancing my time, right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, giving my customers in the tattoo world, you know, enough time for their designs and, you know, it's on them for life and make sure I, you know, I'm really there for them. And also like, you know, I, I really, the challenge for me is just, I guess the time balancing time, you know, you know, especially with the graphic design, I want to make sure I give them enough time and I take time off of my day job to do that. And, you know, and that's usually my, fir- my first struggle, you know, I feel like money kind of falls in place a lot of times, but, uh, it's finding time to like do everything I want to do. Cause I try, I want to try to do everything. I don't feel like 
you know, I'm finally in a point in my life and career where I feel like I could maybe try to do everything if I'm interested in it, you know, and try to get my feet wet a little bit and see, see if it works out or not. Mm-hmm. Definitely but, um, though, that, that balance of time. I have three kids myself and it's crazy. Yeah. To, yeah. To balance everything. Be a husband, yeah. be a father, get job done, accomplish goals. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's something, the balance in my life is something that I think I could probably always work on and use, have help, you know what I mean? And, uh, yes. Yeah, that's and you know the money is always stressful especially being a freelance artist or you know being a self-employed artist and that's always going to be a stress but mm-hmm. I feel like that always just works out when I don't stress about it but uh, the balance is is something that I feel like I constantly have to work at. Mm-hmm. Totally. I hear you there. Yeah. All right, I want to switch to the other side and I want to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of. Yeah, um you know Besides the mural jobs for my friends, you know, I got to do a pretty big design thing for for like a CrossFit company that was really cool. The guys, the, it was a family run business, but they're super big in the CrossFit world. They developed some uh, jump rope that they, you know, pro, um, like patent and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. feel like I'm not a fitness person at all, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but it was really cool to like be able to sit down and talk to them and and you know, work on them on a project. And it went so well, the first project, it was just a t-shirt design that I ended up doing a bunch of stuff. And then they ended up buying mural, like big paintings for their houses and their gyms. And that was kind of not, that was really cool because I feel like since I did that project, it just led into so many other projects through their friends and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and also like for their houses and stuff like that. And that, mm-hmm. You know, it, it kept the ball rolling. You know, that was the first project I think I did where I was like, wow, it's kind of, I wouldn't say endless, but it was just one after another after another, and they were all fun. Just snowballs into like a, a stream of really fun projects. Yeah, yeah. And working with really good people that really, you know, they definitely, when I do a design for them, they definitely, you know, there's, there's never a hit the first time I design it or a third or fourth time, but it's, um, but the way they respond and they critique it is really, um, not degrading, you know what I mean? To the sense of like, you know, we're all sensitive artists, at least I am. And, you know, the way they approach me and want to make modifications is, you know, really inspiring. And it makes me want to even work harder for them. And that's what's really cool. And then it just leads into other projects. I feel like I just work really hard for them, you know, and that feels really good. Mm -hmm. Did you say you did a mural for them as well? No, I did. I did like a 15 foot by 15 foot painting. It was a huge painting. Holy cow. Yeah, for um for one of their houses, and then uh, there's another painting that I did a long time ago for a friend's coffee shop. It was about the same size that I I know they want to purchase for their um for their gym. So it's one of those things too. Is, and that's kind of like we're just talking about that right now. So that's kind of a um kind of cool that they're just buying my personal artwork too. You know, outside of um doing branding and design for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Was that a fairly recent one, or is that a few years ago? Uh. The the painting for their house, or the the oh, other the whole one. project, just the introduction to that. Yeah, yeah, it started probably about a couple years ago, and it's just uh, it's still going on. It's still like you know they they definitely like to branch out. They use you know a few other artists that are you know big in the you know the graphic design illustration world. Um, but it's really cool. Like it's really cool that they even ask me about like what do I think about this you know, other artists and stuff like that. And that's really cool that they trust me, you know, cause I think I was the first person to like help them brand outside of 
the CrossFit world. They wanted mm. to like do more of like, you know, Patagonia outdoor wear kind of esque stuff where everyday wear. And uh, I got to kind of help start that process. And it's kind of cool that they will ask me about other artists and I can actually like, um, you know, like even mention other friends that I think are up and coming. I'm like, you should look at this person. And I feel like I can like pass the torch on to other people, which is really cool. You know, not that I'm like some epic artist or, you know, um, super successful, but it's cool to like, they're interested in my stuff. They trust me and I can actually maybe give business to other people that I admire. I admire. That's cool. What yeah. a great opportunity that is. Yeah, it's really cool. Nick, I want to ask you about what is one design product tool website or a community that you can't live without you had mentioned the ipad pro before where it's just like you you can't do without that now yeah yeah that's definitely i mean that's that's like um leaving my house without the my wallet or something <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. i have to have it with me all the times um you know besides that and my like a it's not a digital product but just having a, a little like field note sketchbook on me all the all times to mm-hmm. just doodle up ideas um I would say Illustrator is probably the other handy tool because, you know, um, it's, you know, I'm still fairly new at it, but it's, um, you know, I'm maybe five years into it, but I feel like they're always upgrading it and adding new stuff to it that it's, and I'm always learning, um, that it's just something that a lot of projects people, you know, I use for a lot of projects, which is really cool. And so I definitely, depending on the project, but that's something definitely I, I feel like I can't, you know, leave the house without either. Yeah. Illustrator and the iPad Pro are probably the two most mentioned tools um, for, yeah. for illustrators, especially. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, um, I tend to like not really want it. I'm not such so good at the Illustrator part because um, it tends to, you know, vectorize things to the point where it's, I just, you know, I feel like it, if I, I'm not technically savvy enough to like make it look even cooler than the design. I always like how it looks on the sketch before I scan it or how it looks on the iPad mm-hmm. before I send it over to, you know, Illustrator. But, um, it's definitely something that, uh, I feel like the more time I spend on it, the the better it gets and the closer to the product that I want it to look like gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, 99% of the customers, that's kind of the, the fight. They need the Illustrator vector file usually. So that's kind of definitely something I go to all the time. Definitely. Um, so Nick, now's the time of the show for the ask it forward question. I have a question for you from my previous guest and you get an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you okay. can ask them anything. Okay. So my previous guest, <clears throat> pardon me, was Scott. He's the co-founder of a studio in Australia, in Adelaide called Voice. They do some awesome work. Um, definitely check them out on Instagram. I will. Yeah. Voice underscore of underscore design, I believe it is. And he wanted to ask um, one unbelievable experience that you have had in your design career where you just have it, it goes by, and you just sit back and think, that was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I feel like, I don't know if I really had that yet. I think, I want to say maybe doing the things for for the, the gym, the CrossFit place, actually, was probably that because it's led into so many other projects, mm-hmm. but, uh, I also feel like I'm, I'm my worst critic, you know? So I feel like I've, I almost feel like I may never have that, you know, I feel like I'm <laughs> always <laughs> striving to do better to the next project, to the next project. Um, I'm always kind of unsatisfied a little bit. And I feel like that's my own like OCD-ness maybe, you know? So I feel like 
not to like keep myself like sound like super humble, but I just, I definitely, um, you know, it, it, the if it, one project leads into another, then I know I did my job and that, that feels really good. But I definitely feel like I'm only as good as my last project and I just got to keep moving forward to the next one. So you'd say the most um, unbelievable, unexpected one that you've had so far is how one project with a gym turned into another project and another project yeah. and another yes. project. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Nick, what's your question for my next guest? You know, that was that would probably be my question is, is um, <clears throat> you know, how do you keep the rhythm going? How do you how do you keep one when you do when you finish a good project how do you keep that rhythm going to the next project it would be my question because that's always something i feel like with my friends and i um do you know sometimes when you finish a project it's just vacation time and you you take off and you know it's you know and how do you keep it going especially you know if me you know having kids in a house and living in one of the most expensive places in the you know united states it's um you know it's it's you kind of have to kind of constantly think what's the next project. So how do you keep mm-hmm. that rhythm going and keep inspired? I like, uh, I like how you worded that. Keep the rhythm going because I can just imagine, especially being a freelancer and only being accountable to yourself, it would be pretty easy to finish a project and then, you know, like you said, kick back a little bit, but then think of, okay, and now I got to find, start and complete the next one. Yeah. So yeah. Next? You know, so how can you take a good project and roll it into another one, roll it into the next one, roll it into the yeah. next one. I think naturally, you know, living in Santa Cruz and stuff, we all, I feel like all freelance artists, at least my friends and I all have the kind of like idea that we want to be like the big Lebowski, like the dude, you know, and just live life, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely when, you know, it's not realistic in this town when you're, you're, you know, middle aged and you have a family, you're like, Oh, I can't just kick back on the beach and just relax after <laughs> a project. Sure. And just, you know, it's like, okay, when's the next one? Cause I feel like I'm going to be like that until, you know, I'm 80 years old. You know, That's for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. That's sure. the end of my questions for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, it was great having you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate you investing some of your time listening to these amazing guests. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Guys, have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.